0: Okay, good afternoon and welcome to the UCL's Lunch Hours Lectures. I'm Paola Lettieri, I'm a Professor of Chemical Engineering and here in my role as Academic Director for UCList, our new campus at the Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park. This is the third lecture of this series, which is dedicated to the programmes and um, new activities that we'll be launching at UCList. In the first two lectures, we have given you a taster of some of the research activities that will be, are being planned for UCLIST. So we touched on the Internet of Things and Internet of Wild Things. And then on Tuesday, we had a rather fun lecture on playing the archive. So how research in that case can link the past to the present and then look into the future. But today's the focus is on educational programmes and the facilities that we have designed for UCList, so to enable the connection between research and teaching and also between theory and practice, so following the principles of the connected curriculum. Before I formally introduce John, who will be delivering the lecture today, perhaps I need to say a couple of words about UCL East, and in particular, spelling out the acronym, which stands for Experiments, Arts, Society and Technology. So the lecture today wants to explain how the teaching programs and the learning and teaching facilities at UCL East have been thought of and developed really with in mind that philosophy. So bringing together different faculties and therefore different disciplines from across UCL in sharing spaces and so enable the new element of collaboration and the creation of new ideas for tackling the global challenges that the research activities want to address. So, Professor John Mitchell has been at the heart of the uh, discussions and really idea creation uh, around the uh, learning programs and the and the teaching and learning facilities at UCLIST. John is Professor of Communication Systems Engineering in the Faculty of Engineering Sciences, but is also Vice Dean Education in Engineering. And with UCLIST, he wears. A couple of huts, I would say, one as faculty lead for the Faculty of Engineering, so looking after the entire uh, section of activities that engineering will be having on the Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park, but then program-wide, really working with us on the design of the new learning spaces. You're also the co-director of the Centre for Engineering Education and also the former director of the award-winning uh, integrated Engineering programme, which has perhaps inspired yeah. some of the thinking behind the lecture today. John, yeah. thank you. Thank you very much,
1: Paola, um, and thank you for that warm introduction. So. Today I just wanted to say a little bit about some of the thinking behind the education programs and some of the, the planning that has gone, th- gone through. Um, the, with the team in academic planning within the UCL East Office, we're looking at something that's actually rather, rather different for UCL in the way that we have an opportunity here to design the programs. And so through some examples, I'm not going to go line by line of the, all the, the programs that are, that are available but to touch on some examples of how the opportunity of UCL East is allowing us to do something a little bit different. So just as a bit of background for those that uh, may not know so much about it, UCL East is a very large campus at the southern end of the Olympic site. So the size of uh, buildings allowable through the full fa- four phases of development are around 40% of the current Bloomsbury campus. In phase one the proposal is 50,000 square meters of, of academic and residential student accommodation um, activities um, across two buildings so this is Paul Street West and the Marshgate building uh, with others in the master plan to, to follow on in successive phases. In phase one up to 4,000 students and over 250 staff are planned. To, to be on the park for the majority of their, their education as well as students attending particular activities from Bloomsbury and potentially the other way around. And I'll mention this a little bit later but this is part of a much larger um, activity on the park called the East Bank which sort of falls along this, this line here um, that runs alongside, along the riverside uh, on, the, on the Olympic Park. So it's a a major investment and a major new opportunity for for activities and from the very early days a vision of what such a campus and being able to design things from the ground up would allow has been been put in place and so particularly there was an emphasis on trying to look at using this as an opportunity to think slightly differently about what we do and particularly because of our sort of four main activities. Of a university, research, education, enterprise, and public engagement, we really wanted to make sure, as a team involved in UCL, East, that all those four activities were considered, but considered in a holistic view. Now, I guess I have to caveat what I'm going, going to say a little bit. I'm not, for a moment, suggesting that these things don't go well in Bloomsbury and that we haven't been incredibly successful in any of them. But what I do want to highlight is the opportunity of a new building in a new part of London in a slightly different way that allows us to do things that we just haven't historically been able to do in the way departments or activities have grown up quite naturally on on the Bloomsbury campus or other campuses around. There are actually some very good examples of satellite activities that have had this in small part, but that combined with the scale of UCL East I want to try and suggest gives us a really unique opportunity to think differently about how we can connect these areas together as we develop new programs new activities and think about what the next generation of education research enterprise and public engagement is is going to look like so as power mentioned I've spent four years a few years back working on a program to redesign the curriculum and the activities of the engineering faculty. The integrated engineering program looked at the eight departments that taught our our main core undergraduate programs and looked at how we could teach them differently, how we could bring in more projects, more problem-based learning, greater emphasis on the developing of skills alongside developing theory, and how we could connect those departments together. We've won an award, so there must be some success in there. I hope the students are feeling the success of it. And we had a conference recently, and some of our uh, alumni came back and talked about particularly how the emphasis on, on skills has helped them, and now they've gone out into the world of work in a, in a range of jobs. But one thing that really struck me from the time doing that was we spend a lot of time in uh, in this particular part here looking at the particularly the curriculum we spend an awful lot of time talking about curriculum we probably spend a little less time and probably less than is really deserved, talking about the pedagogy how we actually deliver that curriculum what are the activities that students are going to do to gain that learning and the one thing that really struck me over the five years of doing this was in terms of education we spend much less time individually, I know at higher level this is often talked about, the student experience, but thinking about what makes that student experience. What is it about the culture of the department? How it connects the various things that go on in the department to what the education is? Or is it just a standalone program that doesn't really connect with the other parts of the department? How is research and teaching and enterprise actually connected? We spend much less time thinking about that and at ucl we spend an awful lot of time moaning about it but probably less time doing anything about the environment what is it about the spaces that we use the types of facilities that we give the students that actually really drive the pedagogy and the curriculum and i would argue that maybe this is a place to start the discussion but without really getting the discussion into these other two areas life of changing a curriculum and particularly changing a pedagogy is really very difficult. Um, And so what I'd like to suggest here is that UCL gives us a real opportunity to think about a culture, a culture that's not based around departments necessarily, a culture that actually from the very fundamental starting point allows us to think about how all the activities could interact in some sense it's meaningful I don't think anyone's suggesting that we're going to force collaborations but when we talk about the sorts of things that are going on actually all the partners have already started thinking about what it is about what their degrees want to do that will match with with others that are also being developed in parallel and again this is part of the opportunity rarely do we develop 50 programs in parallel at more or less the same time where usually we try and link with things that are existing or we're trying to marry things together after the fact. But actually the ability to develop things in parallel and see those connections from an early stage gives an opportunity that we haven't usually had. As well as the environment. As I say, in the past we've thought about what we'd like to do here and then tried to fit it to the environment we have at best. Or been constrained by what we have here that is forcing pedagogies that are not quite what we would like to have done the idea we have I look at power very cautiously when I say it's almost a blank sheet of paper with what we can design in a building I'm contractually devised to say within the financial constraints I think at that point but we have the opportunity to develop something that really fits to what we want to do and design things for purpose Is I think such, such an exciting opportunity for many of us it's been absolutely overwhelming and we've not really known quite what to do with it at times so I'm going to try and pick some of those out in a little more detail and give you some examples from the portfolio of UCLEs to illustrate some of the ideas so first I want to talk about the culture so what is very different and some days a real headache but some days a real pleasure is the idea that across two buildings separated by a bridge and a river, we have eight different faculties. We have a a list of 15, I think, different activities that are going on. Now, most universities build a building for a department or at most a faculty. The idea of a multi-use building with multiple different connected around a vision activities but that don't necessarily fall in disciplinary boxes is very different. Very exciting but also very challenging so the idea that people from the life sciences are working alongside people from robotics uh, from a business school alongside culture and a a, a interest in all the oral history of London gives opportunities for collaboration that probably we hadn't even seen when the discussions first started and so this culture is Feeling really at the heart of how the programs are starting to grow up and develop over time. So if we think about some of the research that's going on, we try and really to link to that vision of experiment, art, society and technology. So our research activities based around creative practice, creative media, new ways of presenting information to the outside world, around robotics around design for disability, around how we get information from the environment, from sensors and what that means for the environment itself. How we design sustainably, ecologically, our our cities, our infrastructure and all our activities. And as well as how we think about our our history, our public history, our oral, oral history. We also have activities around making around the development and interaction with materials, around manufacturing and around what the next generation of transport and fuel is going to look like. So our research things may seem very varied and sometimes when we write out a list it's not always obvious what the connections are but actually when we sit in a room and start thinking about how our activities actually tied together? We start to see many, many synergies between the research activities that are, are going to play out on the park. As well as being very clear from the beginning that this is a research-led activity. It's driven by these research activities, and these are at the core of what we do. But that is alongside our education. And so our research here is very visible. And again, this is something that we see in the newer buildings of UCL, but in, particularly in the older buildings, often our research labs are locked away behind safety doors with formidable do not enter signs where students don't really feel they have a presence. The facilities allow us to think about how this research is, is not only accessible but visible to all who come through the building and see what is there. And again, This, I think, is a a different aspect of how the education and research is going to play out. The research is not for for those, particularly for undergraduate students, is not something that's hidden away. It's front and centre, core, accessible and visible uh, within the building to encourage that sort of interaction. Which brings me a little bit to the environment, to think about how we design the spaces that we're going to interact with. So... We've spent a lot of time thinking about the teaching space and this is something of a contested area. What is the modern activity going to look like? Well, I stand in front of you in a lecture theatre that probably Socrates would recognise. We're in the amphitheatre style of the sage on the stage in front of you, he says confidently, and rows of seats of the uh, aghast and fascinated audience soaking up every word now, some would argue this is a, a model of education that has lasted two three thousand years it 's not necessarily a bad model it 's held its own against many others, but equally there 's much more to the education than this sort of delivery. So we do have one or two lecture theaters. I know there was a a uh, I think from a PR position at the early days, should we say we have no lecture theatres? This is going to be entirely different. And people say, yeah, it sends a message, that's quite interesting. Well, they can be useful. So I think, and this is probably within UCL style quite considerably, rather than make a big statement for no particular good effect, we are there are a couple of lecture theatres. There's a, a cinema that Michael is involved in that can double as a lecture theatre. There is, I think, one or two, two-rate two rate lecture theatres of, of some style. But the majority of the spaces are much more collaborative environments. They're designed to be from small seminar rooms to collaborative tutorial rooms. So uh, this is based loosely somewhere between a teal room and a, um, actually a, something that Harvard Business School were quite uh, prominent in developing of a, a, what they call a hive, uh, a room where actually students can present to themselves, you can roll whiteboards in between them, but you can also present to all the students and they, they can interact. And so different types of environments that allow different types of teaching to go on, and different types of activity within those rooms. We've also looked very much at the specialist activities. And again, the culture pervades into the the environment. Now, whenever you start thinking about these particularly very expensive high-end teaching labs, you end up with a slightly awkward dichotomy. Ideally, you'd like them to be quite big so you can get big classes through, you can do lots of different types of activities, you can segregate them into different activities and do multiple things in them. But actually any one department will find it very difficult to utilize that sort of space continually and so we're looking or been looking into and using a very different model of shared resources across a number of departments and faculties into specialist teaching labs now this is a model a number of universities have started started to move towards Um, and again UCLS gives us an opportunity here Where we design labs now around function rather than necessarily around a one set of people that are going to use it and so we can actually have staff that can support different types of activities so in here you can have anything from sort of physical mechanical electrical types activities here anything that requires sort of sinks and chemicals and different things Um, anything where students are going to group work together do projects together. And we're creating different types of spaces that will support the programs in different ways. Not spaces that belong particularly to any one discipline or, or department. Now, again, with all of that, it's a slightly different way of thinking. It's not how we've usually designed some of these sorts of activities when a department has had a building. Which brings up both opportunities and challenges for the programs that are that are going to go into them. Um, I also we, you know, we have Institute of making, we have culture lab, so a space for allowing students from multiple programmes to interact with artefacts. Again, something that really appeals to a wide number of programmes. UCL has pioneered a lot of object-based learning and the ability of students to interact with objects of different types, with different types of requirements, but in a space that is designed and able to, to support that. Um, as well as the future media studio which has a range of facilities both for the talk courses within that but also supporting other courses in delivering different types of material Um, as well as all the student services that are going to need to to support that and again it's been an interesting process where actually I think we've seen UCL grow these services over many years now they finally have a home in the student center and drawing a lot on the experience of the student centre to find how we need the sorts of services we're going to need to provide to a cohort of students that are on on the park. I think it's very important to say about those students is we really must tread the tightrope between making those students feel that they belong at the Stratford campus, that this is their home and there is a reason for being there, this isn't some satellite of Bloomsbury. This is their home. This is where they belong. But also that they are part of the much, more, much bigger UCL. And that, that balance, I think, is, is going to take us some time to really, really get quite right. But it's absolutely vital to make, make this project work, that our students feel that they're there for a reason. And part of it is going to be these facilities, that there's, there's a reason for being here. They're getting an experience of their learning that Bloomsbury just couldn't provide for a whole host of reasons that I hope I've touched on a little bit. So the last bit the last part is where we usually start about the pedagogy and the curriculum. Um, So thinking about how the student interacts is not new this Confucius phrase is rolled out at the the beginning of many a good educational lecture. but what does it mean to involve the student? So another aspect that's often used is Kolb cycle. Um, if there's any educationalist in the audience before you start throwing things at me about Kolb, I know it's heavily disputed from, from the psychology. But as a tool to think about what sort of activities you have in your curriculum design, it's actually, I find it quite useful to think about actually, We we need to build some of these opportunities in the way we deliver material to students, the activities we give our students to allow them to take the abstract theory, the generalization and reflect on it through applying it and through learning from that sort of experience. And that's very much what our experiential learning idea is trying to draw out. now, experiential learning typically is viewed in, in one of two terms, either something within the curriculum that helps the student apply their theoretical knowledge, some form of experience, now again these are theories that have been talked about for a long time, you can go back to the 20s and 30s and Dewey and Kirkpatrick talked about project-based learning and the project being a, a vehicle for student learning. Um, but Thinking about what activities connected to our research, connected to our facilities, our students can interact with. As well, all the more direct view of actually students going out and really experiencing things as part of their, their education. We tend to break, break experiential learning down into these two parts. We have to be a little bit careful. We pushed experiential learning a great deal within the IEP when we designed it and did some research on how the students felt about it. Um, We talked a lot about authentic learning, the fact that the sort of problems that the students should deal with, the projects they should be involved in, should be authentic, should feel real, should not be toy projects, but something that has has a meaning and they can connect to And to an extent that works well, except what we found was actually what the students believe to be authentic is not actually necessarily what is truly authentic. And many things that we actually took from industry as real direct examples of authentic ways projects would evolve, the students didn't feel were real. And they got very upset by that and shied away from it because they thought we were sort of teasing them, despite actually they were real examples that that came from industry. So again, there's a fine line about what authenticity means to the students and it doesn't necessarily mean that it is absolutely authentic. Um, and that needs to play out a little bit in how, how we design the activities. So if we take that again, I'm using word pedagogy, perhaps loosely, as a, as a, a framing for the sorts of activities we might use I, we come to curriculum. And you know, at UCL, we talk heavily about the connected curriculum. Um, we talk about the six aspects of the connected curriculum that we want to see in our programs. And all I've talked about so far plays very well to those six aspects. And these are examples of how that might play out. So I've just talked through the six and give some examples of what that's meaning for some of the programs that we're, we're talking about. So one of our early adopter programs that's currently starting at here east, at the north end of the park, um, is for the Global Disability Innovation Hub. So a center out of engineering but collaborating with many others that looks at how we design the world or artifacts for those with various sorts of disabilities and how we collect data sets about what's going on. Um, So this is a project in in India that is central to some of the data set that's used within the MSc Disability and Design and Innovation that will be starting later this year that actually uses wheelchair users and sensors that, um, that they have on, on their wheelchairs to actually map the accessibility of cities. So they're collecting data all the time about how difficult it is to access and how um, the access affects their mobility around the city. So this is real life research, funded research, part of a major international project that is feeding directly into the design of the MSc as one of the case studies and data sets that they use within the MSc. So, this is bringing the researchers to the students, to bringing the research that we're doing into the heart of the, uh, the, the, the programme. The second aspect is this through line of research. And again, here I'd like to draw out the environment that we provide. So, some of the aspects that I've talked about. The memory workshop, the object based learning room, these are at their heart research facilities. They are allowing researchers to interact with objects, store objects, to collect new data sets in the case of the memory workshop. But they're also places for the students. And again, this is something that we have good examples at UCL. I think we could do with more. Of spaces where the line between it being an educational space and it being a research space is very much blurred and often we only do that because we have to and we only have one space these are designed to be spaces like that where the research and the students interaction with that search research is a fundamental part of the programs that they're involved in the third aspect is about students making connections across subjects and out to the world and so here I think, I think it's important to mention some of the partners that are going to be on the, on the park, and again, this broader culture and broader environment that we're in is bringing increased opportunities. So, if we look, so Marshgate and Paul Street buildings are here, uh, and the, uh, the Olympic Stadium, West Ham, and the, um, the Aquatic Centre here, Westfield Shopping Centre. This is the East Bank site, waterfront. Sorry, site. The whole thing's East Bank is it good um, where we have the Victoria and Albert Museum we have Sadler's Wells we have London College of Fashion we have the BBC Symphony Orchestra and chorus so we have a number of partners uh, all of whom are very keen to interact accommodation I think is the the, the red on on here um, and build new relationships now this can be many things it's interesting of course You know, we started with London College of Fashion and immediately everyone thought, oh, well, I'm sure there's cultural interactions and things we can do. Actually, they were very interested to talk to us in engineering about wearable technologies. And so a whole range of new conversations are building up about how we interact with this new set of of partners on what really will, I hope, feel a very vibrant university and cultural district um, as part of the park. And again, the ability of so I think roughly within a few years everything opens at the same time. The ability to design from the ground up, new programmes, new approaches. Obviously, London College of Fashion I think are moving a lot of their existing activity out there rather than necessarily new activity. But these new relationships I think are going to be a fundamental part of how our students interact beyond the walls of their their degree. Um, The fourth one is probably the most close to the experiential learning in direct comparison, uh, connect with workplace learning. And so here a new program being developed in engineering around product design and innovative design. And so here, didn't even know it did that. Um, We're looking really to build links with the industries that are in East London. Uh, Across from manufacturing through to high value, small bespoke, creative uh, design firms there's a wealth of activity in in east london much of it is relatively small industry the, not so much of the big industry is, is there uh, uh, as it used to be but the ability of students working in a in a design in a product innovation space to interact and so we're looking at a slightly different model it's actually borrowing Probably common, more common in North America, Canada, a co op model of interactive terms where large projects where students might spend time between the industrial partner and the program delivering on a particular product or process or, pro- or project over the course. So, something that really ties to tie the interaction with industry much more firmly into the curriculum. So, rather than it being a, a year out or a summer placement. Here, actually, the learning that we expect the students to have for credit as part of their degree is a mix between the activity uh, and the workplace, between the university and the workplace. Um, The the fifth area about outputs and assessments directed at an audience, I think again, this comes in many different flavours across the degrees, but by far the most obvious is the suite of programmes across the Future Media Studio. Um, so whether it's documentary making ethnographic film or moving through to new media of how virtual reality augmented reality how new digital content types are designed developed and how that new material interacts with the audience is a central part of a number of degree programs that are going to be moving moving on to the park um, And the sixth one is about students connecting with each other um, and particularly across phases and across programs. So an example, we heard about the Internet of Wild Things earlier, or may have heard about it in one of the earlier talks. This, I think, is a very good example of this, how students from programs in the robotics and uh, autonomous systems area, in the Bartlett area of connected environments, and the life sciences through nature smart cities there's a plan for them to interact over how we understand, how we sense, how we gain data from, and how we interact with the natural environment around us. So it's bringing those that are involved in the design and development of infrastructure with technology and those in understanding the life sciences and ecology together as part of degree programs to interact on understanding how it's not just technology that goes out there into the field for interactions. So I think the aspects of a number of the degree programs really speak to how we create a curriculum that connects a number of things together. We also have a few areas that we see that cut across those. They're not explicitly one of the six but they come out of if you're doing these six things there are things you're likely, we're going to have to think about that connect them together as, as, as we think underneath. Um, I think for me, certainly the big one is thinking about the inclusivity of our program. We're developing new programs in the east of London. We're thinking about how we can provide access to those programs for a broader range of students and how both we can attract talent that plays to our tagline of London's global university, but also makes us think about the environment we're in and how we can support the communities that are around us and that make up our our local interaction. So um, I think very exciting discussions of foundation programmes, year zero programmes, of course art, making, engineering, that will allow students who have different backgrounds or are looking to change direction To enter into some of our programs and prepare them to ensure that they are successful when they enter those programs. Sustainability is something that has been a tagline for the Olympic Park since it very began. London one of the first highlights taglines that it gave out after winning the Olympics was this would be the most sustainable games ever. Um, I think they did a fantastic job of living up up to that and I think That's part of the legacy that we need to live up to both in what we do on the park but also how our programs are preparing our students to understand what that means. Now coming from engineering, sustainability is a word we bandy around a lot and means some quite specific things in many of our disciplines. Whereas the broader community, and we have discussions, I have a science, technology, engineering, public policy department in my faculty and a management science many of our programs it's less obvious what sustainability actually means in their terms. If you're building chemical plants perhaps or building new bridges it's fairly obvious. But I think it is beholden on us to think about how we add a flavor of sustainability in all that we do across all of our degree programs preparing our students for a world where any interactivity they have needs to have a flavor of sustainability to it. Which really builds to the final point of also building an entrepreneurial mindset now I have to be a little bit careful here because this doesn't necessarily mean entrepreneurialism it doesn't necessarily mean we want all our students to go out and form their own companies nothing wrong with that but that's not necess- that's not the first drive it's really about thinking how we're developing the future leaders how we're developing the students that are going to be not maybe not necessarily the captains of industry as would have been said 20 years ago but are going to be the thought leaders in their area they are going to be the go-to people for the new ideas which I think if we can tie a number of these aspects together we have a a good chance of being able to do so I hope that gives a flavor of how we're thinking about the programmes, some of the programs that are that are being developed and some of the opportunities we have to make the most of what is really a historic opportunity on the park from being able to think about so many things at one time an opportunity i certainly have never seen in my 20 years at ucl in such a development and at such a scale and something that hopefully we can really latch onto and do something quite uh, novel exciting and innovating thank you very much for your attention
0: Thank you very much, John. Is there any question from the audience? Good. (laughs) I guess a question from me, then. We have been developing the academic vision, Mm -hmm. as you have presented, with um, a lot of um, passion and enthusiasm, because we do believe the philosophy of uh, bringing together experiments, arts, society and technology can be done in a place like UCL and really giving life or a new life uh, to the interdisciplinarity that uh, we we have got uh, in this university. This brings challenges, uh, I expect. We all hope that the the, the new campus will be successful and there will be loads of students uh, really taking advantage of the new Uh, programs uh, that they will be uh, available. Uh, You've done the integrated engineering program in the faculty. How easily have the students adjusted uh, to a new way of being taught? uh, Or to a new way of uh, having to Ah. think uh, all of a sudden in that case about the engineering discipline uh, that they had uh, um, undertaken to study?
1: Yes. Thank you, that's a a very very good question. It's a very interesting question actually. Certainly when I started a a change program, one of the first things I was told by many people, you've got to remember academic staff are conservative, they don't like change. Um, Which, there's some truth to that, probably not as much truth as I was was led to believe. The bit I was told about less but came to discover is actually students can be very conservative as well. They know they've gone through a system that has taught them a certain way and um, they've experienced I think they know that the university is going to be different all the research shows that they're expecting something slightly different um, but it can be quite an uncomfortable shift particularly uh, for students who have you know really gone through have been high flyers in a system playing one game to change change the rules of the game considerably but it can be done it needs good communication it needs good support um, i think one thing we really learned from changing to more experiential learning is you do have to think very carefully about how you support the students how you ensure your environment is inclusive in terms of the types of activities you get students involved in and how you support them in that i think where a lot of these sort of things go wrong is where you where don't think enough about what that support is going to be just putting putting a student in an environment and assuming that they will be able to co- be able to deal with it is without the appropriate support, preparation, consideration to a number of factors can be is often where things come unstuck. Um, within the IEP we put quite a lot of work up front for that because I think we, we, we depreciated that from some of the pilot work um, and we have continue, continued to build more and more in as we've, we've gone along as we found actually the support of the supporting students in that transition to a, to a way of working that many are not have not necessarily had a great deal of experience of um, is absolutely critical. So again I think this plays into some of the student support services that we've discussed actually I think there are things that we're still going to have to think as we see the nature of the programs develop of what that suite of support is for students predominantly I mean to help ensure the transition and that they get the absolute best out of the experiences that you're giving them.
0: any any question that uh, maybe this um, might have triggered um it's interesting to hear what you said about the transition from i suppose school into a more Mm. integrated program has has there been any work about the outcomes so when students then go on into work are they like any evaluation of whether they're better prepared for work or whether companies find them to be i suppose with the entrepreneurial mindset more set up for a different style of working.
1: So I have to make an excuse at this point we've only had one graduating year so far so we're still in early days from that program. Um, And that is part of the plan again it's longitudinal studies of, of that sort of experience are quite difficult to do but I think it's absolutely vital to show that there's been impact I think it's one of the biggest flaws of much sort of educational research in in whole-scale curriculum changes that very rarely is there good longitudinal data of what that actually means. I think, you know, we've got plenty of anecdotal data about improved performance of of final year students in particular in terms of projects and the way they approach them. We've got great feedback from industry about yes this is what we, we, you know, these are the sorts of students we're looking for and we can see. Particularly, I find more and more industry don't really talk so much about knowledge so much. They want its attitudes and attributes they talk about more of, you know, students that interact in a certain way, that can work across the business. These are the sorts of things they're looking for. And they see them played out in many of the activities that we do. So we've had at that level a very positive response. But actually, yeah, any hard evidence following up, we're probably, yes just in the process of starting to collect that because that's the phase we're in. Um, and it's both challenging, but I think you know, it's going to have to be really... If we really want to show to others that this is a change worth putting the effort into making, we're going to have to collect and collect quite rigorously.
0: Thank you. Any other
1: thoughts or questions? Wait for the microphone. <laughs> otherwise it doesn't get recorded Okay,
0: uh, so obviously based on your experiences with the IEP but mm. also on what you've talked about here from an academic perspective um, does this entail more work does this take away from your you know because obviously each academics mm. are involved in research and teaching sure. so to what extent does having this new approach <clears throat> sort of encroach on is it like the, a new type of academic that is needed <laughs> or what <laughs> You know, how does this um, impact on your, on your everyday academic yeah. in this new campus?
1: It, it certainly requires a different skill set. Um, the difference between preparing a 30 hours of PowerPoint and standing behind a, a lecture and delivering them to actually engaging with class and in, in a class in a very different environment is, is a different skill set. It can be uncomfortable. It's not. Um, particularly things like facilitating group work um, I did some res- we did some research on this and you know talking even to academics that had 10-15 years experience of this still you know trying to manage group dynamics and you know help groups when there were you know personality issues they still find challenging and I don't think you, you ever get entirely used to doing that sort of thing so it does require a different skill set it requires you to be more engaged but Certainly, personally, and the majority of staff I talk to, they find it a much more rewarding way of teaching. You actually see, you can often see learning taking place in a way that a sea of one hundred and fifty blank faces just doesn't quite, quite give you. Um, It requires also requires different types of preparation as well. Um, I think you can, um, yeah. one of the reasons I think that the lecture has stuck so long is that actually it is nice, nicely scalable. Once you go beyond about 40, 50 students, it doesn't matter whether it's 70, 150, 400. As far as the classroom goes, it scales very nicely. The printing bill just goes up slightly, and that's it. Um, or the one big thing that I prefer, that prefer for this is many of these experiential activities if you get the assessment right, which has to be different, you can't, I mean, I've seen people do it, but to run a really experiential, immersive activity and then give an exam at the end just feels a little bit, little bit wrong. Um, I, I, I would prefer, I prefer most of the assessments we've put in place over marking 180 exam scripts any day of the week. So, I think all in all, it doesn't. I, I've I've seen little evidence that it creates huge extra workload but it is a rather different workload and it's spread rather differently o- over the year and particularly if you've got large classes to facilitate there are some issues in the scaling. We in the IEP use lots of PGTAs. We use lots, lots of postgraduate students to, uh, to assist in that because you, you need numbers uh, uh, simultaneously and that, that, that can be a bit of an issue. Um, but
0: Has it had any positive benefit on the research? That your academics do,
1: um, I think. I think it has. I think a, a lot of our academics have now. They've really, particularly in some of the projects, that engagement with students has made them think about more, more about how they can engage those students in their projects. Um, I think the other, the flip side of it is the integrated idea of the program, where we brought departments together. We've had evidence of academics interacting with with each other in research because they met through through some of these teaching groups we put together Um, Because I think as departments grow, you know, there's 400 faculty in engineering now something close to that, you know, actually the chances of meeting academics and you know Become fairly rare. We're on 21 buildings. I think with 400 staff now actually those interactions don't naturally happen and bringing like you know, People in slightly often not entirely obviously connected areas, slightly tangential, but those discussions. We've seen research build up out of those sorts of interactions. So I think this point of not, you know, you teach one thing, you research another, that breeds this sort of connection. You know, I often say we've been incredibly good at UCL and our our research powerhouse status comes about from the fact that actually we have fairly loose boundaries. You know, I've never worried about whether someone's in another department or another faculty to work with them. I'm not, you know, I don't think my head of department says, oh, it's not in our faculty or it's not. You know, we're very loose, we're very good at making these collaborations at research. We've been much worse at it at teaching and that's partly because of the structures that are there. Now, I'm sure the heads of the university argue that they've put all the structures in place to allow us to work across our boundaries very easily. I've also heard that there's no structures in place and we do what we like and it works well because of it. And the truth probably sits somewhere slightly in the middle. But I think that's actually quite important to build, that we've not got these boundaries. And it's, it is, it, I mean, to your point, there are, there are tensions in that. You know, we still have departments, we still have faculties, we're not building new structures for UCLEs. Um, but there has been, right from the very beginning, a real spirit of collaboration. Now occasionally it gets knocked out when you have to put that on a spreadsheet. That's always where things get a little bit more difficult. But it's always been there underlying. The people have been really excited about, oh there's someone else, you know. Michael's got these wonderful studios and things. We can do all sorts of really cool things when we're in the same building as Michael. That it's that sort of thing that I think, you know, the project has kept alive and is gonna have to really work to build over the, the, the as we come up to opening, because that's where the really exciting stuff's gonna happen in these these collaborations that we haven't quite seen just because staff are in the same place together or doing similar things.
0: Thank you, John. And perhaps we can close on a note to let you know that construction is about to boom. <laughs> so mays have now built the hoardings around the, the site. And there is a live camera, so we will be sharing the, the link so you can actually see on a daily basis now the, the loan being removed and the digging progressing. So it is truly exciting. So thank you very much, John, and thank you very much for attending today's lecture.